If the Vikings are trying to draft a QB and the main four guys are gone, could Hendon Hooker be an option? No. <laughs> Welcome to Locked On Vikings Podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three. You, like it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. You can find this show wherever you listen to audio content like podcasts or even YouTube or Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app on those smart TVs. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps in the game. Today on the show, uh, I spent the whole day watching Hendon Hooker, and now you have to th- uh, listen to me talk about him. <laughs> that's that's where we're going with this. Uh, the reason I did this is because, mostly because of Luke Inman and Sam Ekstrom on the Minnesota Football Party, which I joined them for on Mondays and Thursdays. I'm sure we'll have an interesting conversation on Thursday. Uh, but Inman has been singing the praises of Hendon Hooker like this whole offseason. I hadn't really looked into him and I thought, all right, he's, he's been saying this enough. Let's let's see what all the fuss is about. Um, that's the the whole reason. There's also a little bit of Vikings news to go over. We'll we'll start with that. But most of the show is going to be about Hendon Hooker as a possible starting quarterback for the Vikings. Spoiler alert, I don't like the idea very much at all. I'll kind of explain that, but there's also stuff we can learn from the evaluation of Hendon Hooker beyond just that he's bad. I don't really need you to share that opinion with me, uh, but it is he, he offers an interesting opportunity to kind of examine how good we are at separating a QB from his surroundings and at considering factors that like tend to affect things a certain way, like being tall or being old, uh, which Hendon Hooker is both of those things for a draft prospect. But first, some Vikings news. Um, it's not huge, but the Vikings did re-sign Jonathan Bullard. That brings that defensive lineman uh, room back in, and that's sort of getting a little bit of roster pressure. I don't think they have starting pressure. Like I think that there's all over the defensive line, there's a lot of guys that feel like they're going to kind of rotate in, but I don't know if they have a main like Dalvin Tomlinson replacement. Um, I guess it's Dean Lowry versus Jonathan Bullard for that job right now, which doesn't quite feel good enough, but he is back on, uh, I believe, just a one-year deal. And also we got some contract details for Byron Murphy and Josh Oliver, which have been signed, but... Uh, what we didn't know about, or I guess Ben Gessling reported that the Vikings uh, added void years to Byron Murphy's deal and Josh Oliver's deal. Now, I'm not sure if that's something that they did like right now to um, f- like further prorate signing bonus or like a- an alteration they made after the fact, or if that was always part of the deal and we just now found out about it. It also kind of doesn't matter uh, unless you really want to like track moment by moment what they thought and what they knew. But uh, that saves about... Th- those two moves save about three mil in cap space for this year uh, and get them cap compliant enough for Marcus Davenport to have officially signed his deal for anybody that was worried about that. Uh, and I think 
also Dean Lowry has now. So I, I think everything is now sort of squared up on the, the large ledger of Vikings stuff and all the news that we have found. I think everything is just about accounted for. Uh, and we'll kind of see now what else happens if they clear more cap for another major move, or if it's just going to be kind of a wait till the draft now kind of thing, maybe they're just in full on draft mode by now. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, certainly wouldn't put, turn the, uh, Vikings Google alert off though. I'll tell you that much, but let's talk about Hendon hooker for the rest of this show here. Uh, that's kind of it in terms of Vikings news. Uh, oh, and if you were hanging on to hope about Lamar Jackson, um, Darren Wilson said in a reply that he heard that that's not real, that w- whatever uh, rumors that you heard were fabricated or faked or just kind of um, guys throwing stuff out there, spitballing that there's there's no actual steamer interest, uh, at least not at this moment. So, yeah, sorry if you were holding out delusional hopes. Um, I hope I can help you not do that anymore. <laughs> All right, Hendon Hooker. I'm like stalling because I don't want to talk about him because I don't uh, enjoy talking negatively as much as I enjoy talking positively. And this is going to be negative, but it's not going to all be negative. All right. Cause it never is right with any draft prospect. There's a reason that, that, you know, that they're starting in college and getting looks in the NFL for sure. Um, so I want to start with, I guess the thing that people talk about the most with Hendon hooker, and that is he is 25 years old coming out. KJ Osborne just hired a new agent in anticipation of a second contract he is the same age as Hendon Hooker, who is coming out of the draft right now. Uh, that is very old for a prospect. Now, there's a few things with this. Why, why do we care about a guy being old? It's not necessarily, oh, he's got like that much left of his athletic prime, uh, you know, that much less left in, on his athletic prime. Because honestly, if, if you're making it to the point where he's still on your team and you're worried about he, that he's getting old and losing a step, that pick works. <laughs> You pick a guy third overall, and if he makes it to 29 and you're still happy with him, like that pick worked, right? Or to put it like a more directly like cost-benefit way, the only scenarios where you care about that are scenarios where he is already well, well satisfied the threshold of like the, or, you know, met the expectations for a first-round pick. But really, it's that, hey, if you are the only 25-year-old in college and you're beating up on a bunch of 19-year-olds and you weren't good until you were beating up on a bunch of 19-year-olds, you might not actually be good. You might just have been beating up on 19-year-olds and that won't translate to the NFL. There is kind of that uh, idea of that logic. And then, of course, there's also some like athleticism adjustments to make, right? If somebody is 19 and they test really well at the combine, uh, there's actually still a good chance that 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 they're still growing, that there actually still is like puberty going on. But at 25, you know, the, the, the guy is who he is. So there's kind of adjustments to be made there. I think too often um, when it comes to age, we look at it and we, and we kind of think, oh, well, he's old, therefore he's a bad prospect. And I don't think that that's the best way to think about it. It's that he's old, therefore we have to adjust the way we think about his athleticism and sort of how much we expect him to develop. And that's the big thing for me with Hendon Hooker is, okay, he's 25. He's been starting in college for five years, probably started in high school. I don't know how, for, for how long, uh, but for a couple of years there. He has, we'll say seven, eight years of, high, of, of football experience at this point coming into, that's a lot. For, for a draft pick, for a draft prospect. Some of these guys are coming into... To, Anthony Barr came out of the draft with two years of experience at his position, got drafted in the top 10. Um, th- You know, that that's a, eight is a lot. Seven or eight is a lot. And that means that whatever he doesn't have yet, I am hard-pressed to project that he will get. 
You know, somebody like Anthony Richardson, who's started like 13 games, or like Trey Lance, you know, a couple of years ago, um, you could kind of say, well, he doesn't know that yet, but he's also only played so many games. So we can sort of project that as he gets more experience, other things will come. But Hendon Hooker has the experience, and whatever, ha- like, what are you going to learn in year seven uh, that you, you couldn't learn in the first six years? I, the answer to that question is going to be a much shorter list than year two that you couldn't year, learn in year one, if, if that makes sense. So that's the thing that I want to care about with, with age. And then the other part of it is that he's a COVID kid. Um, the 2020 season was canceled for a bunch of college kids. 2021 was weird for a bunch of college kids that had extra eligibility. We are just in a world where draft prospects are coming out a little older right now. Usually with older prospects, you know, if they if they're a five year college player, you kind of go, okay, well, you were eligible for two years. Why didn't you declare? Were you hurt? Were you bad and hoping that you could maybe get your your stock up? Did you improve like you thought you were going to or was this just sort of you hoping that you would look a little better when you were 25 beating up on 19 year olds? Um, but with COVID, it's very clear why they didn't declare, right? A lot of kids just didn't declare. 2021, if you remember, was a very thin draft class just by pure volume. There just were a lot less college prospects. Well, the kids that would have gone then are kind of coming out last year and this year. We're sort of in that window. So guys are going to be older, and we just have to be a little bit more forgiving of that, I think. So the fact that Hendon Hooker is old is not my chief problem with him. It is context, and it does contextualize a lot of the stuff in my evaluation, which I will get to. Uh, but it's not the... I, I I don't mind it. If he were a good quarterback, but he was old, I probably would be able to put the old thing aside and say, yeah, but, you know, he can play. Uh, but that is not the case that I find. And I'll tell you why right after I tell you about FanDuel. If you are looking to gramble, especially as March Madness, we're heading into the round of 16. Both the men's and the women's, I believe, are set now. Uh, th- so we're ready for the, the big stuff. If you want to gramble on that, you could gramble on the XFL, which I've been having lots of fun doing. Battlehawks minus 3.5 looks real tasty this weekend. Uh, you can go to America's number one sports book. That, of course, is FanDuel. Uh, at FanDuel, if you are new, you can get a no-sweat first bet. Up to 1000 bucks in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. If you suffer a horrific bad beat or whatever, you can still get some bonus bets back. To do that, you got to be new to FanDuel and you got to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can download the FanDuel Sportsbook app as well. It's safe, secure, super easy to use and bet on whatever from money line, point scores, whatever uh, sport. You can mash it all together in big parlays, try to get a better payout too. Once again, don't miss that chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. If you like a little bit of QB talk, you can go to patreon.com slash NFL. Just posted a big, long video on Will Levis. And actually, I have a Hendon Hooker one coming out maybe today, maybe tomorrow. I'll see how I feel. Uh, that sort of complements this podcast and gives you the actual film. This is mostly a podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, um, I'm, I can't put film on YouTube, so that will be a source for that. And so I recommend you kind of listen to it as a companion piece. But Let's get into more of the eval with Hendon Hooker. Like, I get the age thing and all that, but okay, so can he play? <laughs> so here's the good things about Hendon Hooker that I think are worth getting excited about if, if you do get him. And, and like, I'm not going to be one of those people that just, like, hates on the guy endlessly. So here's some good stuff. Um, he is pretty rhythmic. 
I think with a lot of the the rhythm plays when he's in a rhythm, you can really see it in the Alabama game uh, where he scored five touchdowns. And the Alabama game was really interesting because Tennessee just clearly found a way to attack the inside safeties, kind of attack like the middle defenders, whoever was covering the number two, whoever was the middle of the field defender. They just really found a good way to get like basics and digs and skinny posts and stuff up. It kind of looked like watching a team play against the 2022 Vikings defense a little bit. Um, and so there was a lot of, you know, it's it's a lot of shotgun play action, set your feet up and throw. And whether that's a slant or a, a stupid little screen or something, a lot of it is rhythm and timing based. And it's, I somebody called it like super spread. I think it was uh, Matt, Matt Fry's uh, called it super spread, um, which I really like where you're sort of pre-snap picking a side of the field and then executing a read on that side of the field, depending on if you get like a man or zone indicator or whatever, um, which is not unlike what the Vikings did with like Case Keenum in, in 2017 to great effect. Um, and what it means is you get this really polished sense of timing and rhythm uh, and the footwork and the mechanics are really, really clean and really stable. Um, when I talk about Anthony Richardson or Will Levis throwing off of an unstable base, being really extra bounces and extra hitches and extra stuff, there is no extra wasted movement on Hendon Hooker's footwork, and, and I think that's a really big strength that helps his accuracy. He does still have accuracy issues in spite of that, which concern me. We'll get to those in a sec. Um, but... That helps a lot, and it helps you kind of stay on schedule. It helps versus pressure. Um, you know, you get the ball out fast and all that. It's very good. He also has a killer go ball. Just goes down the sideline. That classic, I mean, Cousins to Jefferson hit this in the clutch about 17 times last season. You know what I'm talking about. That ball is there. He doesn't hit it every time. Nobody does. Um, but he hits it often enough for me to call it a strength. And it's probably like the go-to explosive play for Tennessee. And a lot of that was to Jalen Hyatt, who might be getting drafted for exactly this reason to do exactly this job. I don't know if he does anything else well. Um, and that I should probably mention that Tennessee's surroundings and supporting cast were awful. I mean, truly mind-numbingly awful. The receivers, with the exception of Hyatt most of the time, were not doing him any favors, dropping things, running routes poorly, spacing themselves poorly, taking angles that make it harder on the quarterback, just not helping him at all. The offensive line got beat a bunch. The running backs in particular were dreadful in pass protection. I mean, truly, truly uh, just mind-numbing idiots in pass protection. I'm sorry if the uh, Tennessee running backs listen to this, but man, I'm sure their, their coaches had much meaner things to say to them than I do. Uh, cause there are some real bad lowlights of them just getting their quarterback lit up. So he didn't get a lot of help. And that, that Tennessee scheme, if he does have a lot of talent, that would be a reason that we wouldn't see it. So if you want to say, okay, Hendon hooker is actually this really great quarterback and we just didn't see it cause Tennessee held him back. There's an argument to be made there, but I don't really believe it. Um, because he's been in the lead in the, in college for five years and, apparently I didn't watch as much 2021, but apparently it was even more simplified. There were even more of those half field reads. And you can tell like backside receivers when they see that he's not reading their side of the field, they let up on the route. They're like, Oh yeah, now we're just decoys. We don't care. Or I shouldn't say don't care. They're, they're conserving energy. And that's actually a coaching point. Right. Um, 
And, you know, maybe they're just doing that so that the receivers can conserve energy. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with Hendon Hooker, but I don't know. That feels like giving him a lot of benefit of the doubt uh, and, and a lot more than I think he's earned because when they aren't letting up, it's really uncomfortable, you can tell, for Hendon Hooker to go to the other side of a read, to read something full field across the the whole progression, like a one, two, three, four, five. Um, and you'd think you'd see it some. So I am very concerned about that. And I'll see stuff like when the initial progression isn't there. Like I'll see him, you know, you'll run a flood on one side of the field and you can see him go, okay, long, medium to short. That's one, two, three of a read. So that's a progression. You can see him go through it, but it's one side of the field. When that isn't there, if the the other team floods the coverage properly or whatever, it's, I'm not seeing him get to check downs. You know, I'm not seeing him really go through and understand, all right, if this is not there, then this will be. Um, There's a lot of, okay, that's not there. I'm taking off. And when he takes off, his eyes go down and now it's, it's a punt return. It's no longer a passing play, even at times when he's still behind the line of scrimmage and there's a receiver working back to him and he could totally just let up and throw or even throw on the run, which I think he has an underrated ability to do. I didn't, we didn't see it a lot cause he didn't attempt it a lot, but every time he did do it, like, I don't know, he hit a lot of those and I, I thought it looked like a skill that he had and maybe could utilize more. Um, so I think it might be a little underrated that he can do that, but he can throw on the run. And so it's frustrating to see him not do it when there's an opportunity to. Um, I mean, look, he won't be the first quarterback in this class. I've called a one-read quarterback, but to me, he seems like a one-read quarterback or one-progression quarterback, right? Because, you know, reading slant flat is one read, even though you could throw it to two different guys. That's one read. Um, but it's kind of one, and then and then I'm running. And then I'm, I'm pulling the ball, and I'm trying to make something happen. And he can run. That's another big strength of his, the option stuff. There were sweeps in the red zone. Tennessee did all kinds of stuff with Hendon Hooker's legs that were pretty sick. Uh, and, and you could absolutely put that into your offense. And I think if you're starting Hendon Hooker, you'd be an idiot not to put that in your offense. I think that stuff rules. Um, and he can scramble and you know convert a third and long just like in improv mode. But he's not scrambling. He's never rescuing a pocket. You want to see a quarterback rescue a pocket, watch Bryce Young. Bryce Young's amazing at that. Okay, the angle isn't quite what I need. I'm just going to reset a little bit. But he, but he won't leave the pocket until he has to uh, because he wants to stay in that pocket. That's part of what makes him, you know, the, the one or two overall pick. And Hendon Hooker, a guy we're going, hmm, should he be, you know, a second rounder or not? Um, I, I do not see a comfort in, you know, in, in the pocket when the pocket isn't there. And sometimes you'll see him bail on a perfectly plain, clean pocket just because enough time has gone by where he feels like he should. And that sort of thing is the kind of thing you do when you don't have pocket awareness. And why don't you have pocket awareness when you've been starting in college for five years? This is where the age starts to kind of factor in where I go, okay, I, I should see you be less raw than this by now. Uh, and I don't think if, if you haven't gotten less raw than this, I am well within my rights to question if you ever will be. That's where I'm at with uh, Hendon Hooker. There's uh, the, also the accuracy stuff, and then I think a greater conversation of, okay, well, what would I take him at? Um, and so I, I want to make sure that this isn't, again, just like a, a hate show. <laughs> I want to tell you, okay, this is what I what I would support. You know, I, I wouldn't take him in the first, but what about the seventh? Like, of course, right? So where, does, where do I actually draw the line? Um, but... Speaking of drawing lines and then connecting them into draw new lines, that's a bracket. <laughs> it's built. 
March Madness. All right, it's it's March, and that means uh, it's bracket fever, baby. And Built Bar is, of course, doing their own bracket. Whenever we talk about it in the the Locked On group chat with all the Locked On hosts, anytime Built Bar gets brought up, uh, it inevitably devolves into uh, fist fisticuffs over which flavor is better. So let's just settle this with Built March Madness. So go to BuiltMarchBadness.com. You can vote for your favorite flavor, whether it's cookies and cream. Coconut brownie chunk is, I think, always a a heavy favorite. Whatever it is, vote for your favorite bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will get a free box of Built and one locked-on fan will win a 12-month subscription. You get one box delivered monthly straight to your door. Uh, you got to try it. It's covered in 100% chocolate, tastes like a candy bar, absolutely delicious, but low sugar, low fat, low calorie, chock full of protein. Uh, it's cheating. It's just cheating, but you don't have to have a cheat day to do it. So go to builtmarchmadness.com, hop in and support your pick. So of all the things that I've mentioned so far, if the evaluation ended there, I would be you maybe could talk me into Hendon Hooker, but it doesn't. Um, I think that there is a genuine problem that he has going through progressions and at best giving him the most benefit of the doubt. He can go through progressions, but we just can't haven't seen it because of his offenses. And so at best, it's an unknown, right? At best, well, we don't really know if he can or can't, and we have to treat that as a question mark. That is the most charitable thing we can do because we haven't seen him really have that skill set. Uh, and that's all we have, right? All we have is a tape and the tape doesn't show that skill set. But the accuracy issues are maddening. And again, considering the age, I have a really hard time expecting them to get better. And that's the key difference between him and somebody like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, where I can see a world where that gets better for those guys. Um, I don't see the path for Hendon Hooker getting better at that. Part of that's age and part of that's the reasons for why he is inaccurate. But there are kind of two different kinds of inaccurate ball that, like two buckets that I guess it's worth breaking into. There are the deep accuracy issues, which, hey, those are hard passes. I don't expect you to make all of them. Um, but there are some genuinely unacceptable misses. They're not on the go balls. He'll miss the go ball every once in a while, but he's pretty good at it. Um, it's up the seam. And on a, you know, on a skinny post or on just a, a seam route, just a middle search route or just a go get them kind of thing, a special, those are a lot easier throws than the go ball typically. Um, but not for everybody, right? Some quarterbacks will say, no, no, no. I always had a harder time going straight up because when I had the sideline, it kind of helped me orient myself or sometimes it's just a feel thing. Um, but he does not have that feel. He he sails that puppy a lot, like way too often. Um, and, and look, you could probably dunk on me. You could you could post that clip, say, oh, he sails them all the time, and then post a whole bunch of highlights of him hitting that ball. He can hit that ball. But I could respond with a bunch of lowlights of him missing it. And that's the problem is, is consistency. He's not consistently hitting it. Um, there's also like the turkey hole shot, you know, uh, or the honey hole shot, some people call it, which is the, the throw with a corner underneath on the sideline and a safety coming from over the top. And you kind of have to hit it in that corner throw. Um, there's a really, really bad miss versus Alabama on a similar throw. It's versus cover three, but kind of the, and the corner falls down. So kind of same idea. 
um, the geometry is the same and the safety is coming from further away. So it actually technically should be easier. Totally overthrows it. Um, they go long and they go high on him a lot more than anything else. I, I wonder if he's just maybe throwing really tall. He doesn't really bend his knees a lot. Maybe he doesn't get the torque he should get, but I don't cause a lot of quarterbacks throw that way and it's fine. Like a lot of quarterbacks just get away with it, but his feet are again, planted firmly in the ground. His mechanics on these throws are good. Um, Super possible that there is just a mechanical issue that a, somebody who is smarter than me can find that I can't find. I am perfectly willing to accept that. I would love to accept that because, you know, I, I want kids to, I want these these players to work out way more than I want them not to. So I would love to be wrong about that. But it seems like it's, it's not a mechanical issue to me. Um, it seems like it's a, this sounds so nebulous and I'm like, you can feel, I'm like hesitant to say it. It seems like it's a feel issue. It's like he just does not have a feel for it. Uh, and if you don't have a feel for it by now, you're not going to get a feel for it in two more years, right? You've been playing in college for five. You know, a, a year sitting behind Kirk Cousins is not going to give you a feel for this. Um, so I don't see it as something that I really expect to get better. But what really bugs me, like, look, if you don't have the deep accuracy, whatever, like some guys, guys in the NFL don't either. Like, again, it's something maybe we can work around. But too often, way too often, I didn't watch every game, but I watched enough. He's missing on quick game, man. He's missing on slants, on flats. On uh, there are screens where he misses. Like, and I'm not talking, you know, backpedaling, back foot, you know, halfback slip kind of stuff. No, I'm talking about smoke screens. I'm talking about the kind of thing you install day one, the kind of thing you can practice in shorts till the cows come home. And he's worm burning them like he's Donovan McNabb 2011. I I cannot stand that. That just puts me right off a guy. And I actually got to, I was watching the LSU game, Tennessee versus LSU. And I got to about the end of the first quarter, somewhere around there. And there was just a quick tunnel screen or not a, not a, just a quick wide receiver screen, maybe a bubble screen. I don't know what, whatever you call it. Wide receiver takes one step back ready with the ball. Right. And he throws it to the dude's ankle and a yard wide dude. Wasn't trying to lead him. Wasn't it's a totally static target. This is standing there and hitting a dummy. You know, this was the, the, like at the pro bowl, you know, they had the, the throwing contest. This is the one point one where the, and and it's not even moving. This is the easiest of easy things. Every quarterback should be able to hit a hundred of them in a row. And he is throwing it a yard wide and one hop in it. You just can't have it. And it's one thing. Oh, that one got away from me. My hand slipped or whatever. Sure. But he's good for this, like regularly enough. And again, I don't know. His mechanics were fine. If anything, he steps a little bit too far outside sometimes. And so he kind of opens his, his posture. And I think that maybe gets rid of some torque and then, and then he uses his arm too much. Um, he's got a strong arm, you know, it's certainly not a strength issue. He can hit a 60 yard go ball. It's he's got that. The arm strength is there, but he's just not consistent. He is not a consistent passer. He's not a full field reader. Uh, and he's at a point in his career where he needs to be these things right now. And he's old enough where I don't think he's going to become those things. So that leads me to the sort of wrap up, which is okay. How do you value that? And the way that I think through that is okay. What, what is he as a package? Okay. Well, he's a, a quarterback that has a few throws that we know he can do. We know he can do the rhythm throw, but he might miss some. We know he can do a go ball down the sideline. That's a low percentage throw, but he's pretty good at it. 
Um, and we know that he can, you know, kind of heave one down and have your fastest guy just go chase it, right? Because he can throw the ball, you know, 65 yards or whatever. Okay, that's your package. What is that? To me, that is a person who needs to improve a little bit to become a backup. If, if that, like, if that's my backup quarterback, I can kind of live with it. All right, you got to go in because the, the real quarterback got hurt. Maybe we can, you know, shoot a goal ball down the sideline and see if he can't make something. Otherwise, I bet he can probably become the kind of guy that, you know, executes a simplified offense and limps you to the end of a game. I can kind of see him succeeding in that role as a backup quarterback. So then the, the follow-up question is, okay, where do you draft a backup quarterback? Or a guy who maybe needs to learn a little to be a backup quarterback. Because I think to be a, you know, a don't screw it up kind of backup quarterback, a limp you to the end of the game kind of backup, I think you got to be able to read full field a little bit, bit better. So I think you got to be able to do that, which is like, there's a world where I see Hendon Hooker out of the league in two years and it wouldn't surprise me. I'm that low on him. So where do you draft a guy who might be a backup quarterback? Or I will say who is probably good enough to be a backup quarterback because I don't think he's too far away from being a backup. And I bet I bet with some NFL stuff and getting out of that Tennessee system, I I can buy it. So I'll, I'll buy in that he is probably good enough to be a backup quarterback. Well, to me, a backup quarterback, because of the value of quarterback generally, is as valuable as a lot of other starting positions. Um, even if they won't play just because of how important quarterback is like I would take a backup quarterback around the same spot. I would take a starting running back, which is like third or fourth round. Um, since I'm not hundred percent sure that Hendon Hooker is a backup quarterback, I'll put him in the fourth. So I have a fourth round grade on Hendon Hooker. Uh, if I want to take a late day three flyer on someone, I'd rather it be someone who's a little toolsier, a little younger, a little bit more moldable. Um, Hendon Hooker just kind of feels like pie in the sky. And and the last thing I'll say about this is I think a lot of the argument, and this is a lot of Inman's argument too on, on the football party, which I, I'll respond to if, you, if he wants to talk about it. But um, I, I think when it comes to, you know, okay, all four QBs are off the board. We're sitting at 23. Hendon Hooker's there. What do we do? And you kind of go, well, you know, who's your quarterback if Hendon Hooker isn't? And my answer to that is Kirk Cousins. I would rather have Kirk Cousins on his price tag than spend a first round pick on Hendon Hooker a million percent. Um, I don't see really a an upside to sitting him for a year. I think he's he's the guy he's going to be. I don't think like a year of Debbie is going to do him a lot of good. Um, it's just going to make him a year older. And I would rather stick it out with Kirk Cousins than than put my faith in this package that's very easy to see the failure points of and really really you've got to really squint and thread a lot of needles to find the world where he's actually secretly good and it's just all tennessee's fault or whatever um like you've got to parlay a lot of different outcomes for that to be the case and i don't want like when you're a gm you get one chance to get a quarterback mostly if you get to draft a second quarterback as a GM, you have a very forgiving ownership group. Maybe the Vikings do, but the okay too, right? For the most part, you can sit there and, you know, wait and wait and wait till you draft your guy for a long time, right? You can sit through a lot of Davis Mills seasons before you get your number two overall pick and you, and you get your Bryce Young. Um, but if you go right up and you take a Trubisky just because you got to have a guy, that's, that's, you're not going to last as long. Uh, 
that kind of logic of, well, if not him, who are we drafting, right? Well, I don't know. Maybe there are guys I would have over him. I'm pretty low on him. Um, haven't looked at any of them. So, you know, TBD on that. But if not him, it's Kirk Cousins, and I'd much rather have that. So that's that's where I'm at on Hendon Hooker. I'm super, super out on him, but hopefully it's still worth talking about him because we can kind of see, all right, like all the stuff I talked about doesn't have a lot to do with his a lot to do with his supporting cast. His wide receiver drops a pass, but I can still see that that was a good go ball, you know, um, and he's he's running back totally beefed it in protection. OK, I'm not going to hold that one against him. But when the running back doesn't beef it in protection and he's still bailing on the pocket, now I'm going, wait a minute. Um, and, and when you really flick on the tape, you can see that kind of stuff and you can sort of start to think past these sort of rules of thumb that, all right, old is bad. And if they had a bad supporting cast, they must be actually a little better and stuff. We can investigate that by looking at it and we can say, well, was he actually better? Is being old holding him back? Uh, and we can sort of apply that to our analysis in a more intelligent way. Hopefully that's the real lesson that you can get out of this. Uh, we'll see what happens. If anything happens tomorrow, we'll talk about it. Otherwise, we'll keep doing draft stuff, I think. Uh, maybe talk about some, if there's, if there's free agency or cap stuff that you guys want to talk about or whatever. I will see you all for whatever that is. And as always, Skull.